as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. And ladies and gents, so welcome for to join us here today is Tom Lindemann. <laughs> hi, oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Johnny. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk about another infamous franchise that's one of the best comedies of all time. That is Manos, The Hands of Fate. Oh, as, as many of you deep herders know, you know it's best known for being. Adapted by a former fertilizer salesman who <laughs> basically, did he win the lottery or did he yeah, just decide he wanted to be a filmmaker? I can never get that part right. I always heard that he wanted, he just wanted to make a film. That somebody, he made a bet with somebody that they could. That's what it was. He made a bet. That, um, for like a hundred bucks or whatever, and more, whatever, small amount. And sure enough. We got the enduring classic that is Manos, the Hands of Fate. Oh, yeah. So, basically, I don't even know why this is fucking rated R. It's hardly a gruesome movie, but apparently there's some bitch slapping that got cut from the TV edit that you saw. on. Most people best knew this. If it wasn't on antenna channels obscurely playing, it was best known for playing on Mystery Science Theater. And mm-hmm. when people say, oh, they make good movies in Texas, I say, no, sir, they do not. Look at this one. This is made here in El Paso, and you can tell. And to make it even more amusing, it's just become a common just uh, meme. So basically, before you can say Texas Chainsaw or uh, Last House on the Left, basically a man, his wife, uh, and their daughter... Uh, and a dog. Debbie, and, yeah, and decide to come uh, to this house that's by a devil-worshipping cult, and they fear the master and his humble servant, Torgo. And as many know, yeah, the master was played by Tom uh, Naiman, who uh, later reprised the role in, like, stock footage. <laughs> we'll get to those signals in a bit. Yeah. Uh, that's one hell of a red and black costume. And Torgo was played by Mississippian-born, LSD-ridden actor uh, John Reynolds, who 
not only had just the most unusual beard, but <laughs> just was also <laughs> crippled. So he had to work in that bizarre walking into his character for better or worse results. Um, so as many of us know, the film was very chaotic. They, the director unwisely chose to redub everything with elevator music and <laughs> everyone else's voices. So everyone is clearly dubbed and it's very confusing. Do you find this the most painful movie of all time or do you find this very hysterical? Because I'm in the latter. I, 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 it's very wacky, but most people take it way too seriously and do the whole, oh. <laughs> I'm definitely in the latter category. I, even without the riffing from MST3K or even riff tracks, it is just funny <laughs> because there are so many weird things that happen. So many weird takes and the dubbing just makes it sound and give it a, it just gives the whole movie a feeling of, of chaos, like you mentioned. But it, but it does it in a way that seems to be at least semi-controlled. Whether there was a script or not, I don't know. <laughs> what I do know is that it's not as painful as some of the other movies I've seen that are, that are made for hundreds and thousands percent more than what Thanos was made. Not right. Thanos, but Manos, yeah. And I mean, it's a low-budget oddity, so I mean, anyone who found this very boring I, I'm I, is like, yeah, no. I, I could watch this or the Mystery Science Theater episode plenty of times. I know Joel Hodgson said he didn't think he was surprised that episode caught on because he didn't think that one was particularly the funniest. I I think there's some moments it you do have to be in a mood for an antenna channel kind of bizarre acid trip of a movie, but um, and at the same time, uh, some fans have noted that they prefer the you know the spinoff groups uh, take uh, for riff tracks. I can understand that, but that's a mm -hmm. whole different oyster you know like they got different kinds of riffs and stuff that they're paying attention to so it's apples and oranges for me i mean but yes like, like you say there's so many other movies like i can't watch hobgoblins again i'm sorry that one is just too painful <laughs> <laughs> um and other ones like squirm or something you got to just like decide what kind of pain tolerance you want that day so i mean <laughs> everyone has their own type of movie they can't stand everything like some people were even saying incredible strange creatures but that one i just i also didn't find as funny a riff but at the same time i mean i could watch that one too because it's just so weird and it's vision and yet so misguided at the same time so yeah the people who don't like it they must have their shit out of shape uh, right how, how do you want it to be shaped you want it to be shaped like carrots or nuts or what you know i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather, I, I prefer a different shaver, shaving brand. Thank you very much. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so when did you kind of realize that this had kind of taken a second wave? It was just being rediscovered by other people who had heard about it for years. It was kind of a semi-lost movie. If that, is that accurate to say? I would say, yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those that the rights was kind of like whoever wants them you can have them <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you money to take the rights off of our hands please um but um yeah it where where i first ran to it was the way a lot of people ran to it which was mr science theater 3000 but 
even with the riffs, it was not, I, I found a, a little bit of joy in it. And that joy has grown over the years. I, and the only thing I can, the only thing I can really compare it to is the first time I saw Night of the Living Dead. And because <laughs> there was something novel there. And yeah, in, in, in Nanos. And with the right amount of editing. Vision. It's just yeah. something went wrong after the fact. I saw some of the trivia saying that the only people who were paid was, you know, little girl Debbie. <laughs> and it really is wacky how, you know, that was the daughter of the director and Jackie yes. Ray Newman Jones. I have had on the show prior. She was like one of our first episodes and she's a very humble, very cool person. She does like, uh, she like antiques and necklaces or some something to that extent and yeah it's so funny how she's forced herself to watch this a few different times and her actually introduction when she knew it had made an impression was when her father was laughing at mystery science theater playing this episode one day and he's like oh what do you know my movie's on tv so she's been a very ever grateful soul you know so many of the other mystery science theater people were told you know Tommy was so tired she was like oh I can't laugh at myself and it's just like yes you can but yeah she's done so many midnight screenings and everything and just been like hey you like it or you hate it or you love to hate it it's what it is it's just a crazy movie yeah it's taken off like a like a Rocky Horror Picture Show there are there are people who will go to great lengths to go see this movie Mm -hmm. and you can say that with anything like The Room, even Samurai, the two Samurai Cop movies, but Manos <laughs> is just a... Manos is, it just has something to it. it you, you Samurai appreciate... Cop's a good segue, because, yeah, it's like <laughs> Hobgoblin's made a deliberately uh, stupid sequel to itself. It wasn't very good. Uh, Samurai Cop 2 varied by person. Some people thought it was worse because it was in on the joke. I thought it was a lot of fun, especially with the outrageous cast they got, but I digress. I mean, uh, there was uh, some movies have even gone the way of the asylum, where it's like the more self-aware they get, the more unbearable the Sharknados are. So it's just like, yeah, (laughs) it really is a whole different meta kind of joking, where it's just like some of them are funny because they're making fun of the overrated blockbusters. And some of them are just like even worse because it's like they don't have any time or money spent on them. So, (laughs) And I mean, Birdemic did that and. Either way, I found both funny, just because it's so incompetent. Yeah. But yeah, so Monos had, many years later, <laughs> two sequels. One that was kind of way too serious and just out there. And kind of, I think Jackie even said she kind of disowned it. She's like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. It was even worse than the original. And part two, <laughs> basically, or part three, technically, uh, yeah. the second sequel decided, you know, uh, just go for just recapturing the look and feel while also just sneaking some Easter eggs and inside jokes for bad movie fans and cheesy movie uh, guys. So uh, you, you've seen both. I've, I, I've, I, I made it through at least a third of the, of the third movie, but the one that really got me was Manos, The Rise of Torgo. That was the one that I just absolutely enjoyed. Oh, it totally. gave me so it gave me so much hope for the 
for Manless Returns, and then when I saw it, it was like, mm, you're going down the same road that these guys, that the original went down, and not doing it nearly as fun, nearly as well. Yeah. It, they both had their pros and cons. It's just like, Mono's, right? So they were both released in 2018, which is so confusing to me because I could have sworn one of them came out in 2016 and 2017, and IMDb lists even a remake. That's it. To build now. <laughs> oh my God. You're not going to get any better than this, guys. Um, they're apparently for the longest time on the DVD was like a mock documentary called Hotel Tar- Torgo that kind of did a this is spinal tap approach while using stock footage by <laughs> someone who had too much time on your hands you can youtube that and it's definitely an easy laugh because it really is complimentary it does explain to you like what was used to for that house and how like you say it did kind of have the night of the living dead approach where everybody just hired their friends on the week and uh, just you know <laughs> just yeah, uh, just dove in and just said, "Hey, we got this house as long as everyone lets us film here." So, I think that's just it too. Like people, this is kind of, I guess, part of the whole kind of subgenre of backwoods horror kind of movies, where you know someone gets stumped out in the middle of the woods, and you know before it was the genre was kind of being done to death with, you know, people like, uh, you know, uh, who were going the West Craven or. Halloween approach where it's just like, oh, our car is broke down. Oh, you know, we're stranded. You <laughs> know, the deputies yeah. are all crooked. Here's the, the, like law enforcement is even more incompetent. Like they tell them to get going just because they're smooching on the side of the highway. I'm like, for real? <laughs> That's illegal. Okay. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends upon your blue laws. Please check local li- listings for your local blue laws. Hey. I'm pretty sure. I know at one point in one part of Texas it was there was a law that said it was illegal to breathe underwater. So don't get me wrong. I know there's plenty of incompetent Texan laws, but I'm pretty sure no one cares who's doing what, as long as, you know, there's no naked flesh being exposed, but whatever. Um, Yeah, no. um, So, yeah, um, Mono's Returns was definitely going, I think, for the campiest because they were using even stock footage of the master and the guy who played uh, uh, Torgo did a really good job, I thought. They had some other weird people who've been in every other kind of cult, stupid movie, including Tanjia Atomic. Oh, yeah. uh, Who's been in other wacky shit like uh, Ouija Board. She's also the director, so that's why I bring her up, but... Um, when I asked Jackie is like other weird, bizarre, uh, movies that are kind of set in the backwoods. It was like, I feel like this is in that same universe as the devil's reign. Cause that one definitely had house of Satan worshippers in it. And, and yeah. she, and she, she, she bet she, she played along. She's like, yeah, I think some of the people were actually, uh, church of Satan worshippers. <laughs> I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> And the Church of Satan is just so complicated because it only got even more further popularized because there used to be a televangelist who, uh, you know, would uh, expose it on certain local channels after midnight hours when advertisers stopped tuning in and everyone gave less of a shit. But 
then there was even celebrities who you would think are very smart and nice who uh, became attracted to it because it was kind of, I guess, like Scientology or Christianity where everyone thought they were being just doing cool, cool stuff and it's like it was mixing in conspiracy stuff with, you know, you got to take down all the people who have wronged us. So it's just like... <laughs> Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> right. we, yeah, this is what I signed up for. Oh, sign up for? Oh. One movie that I that I that it kind of works in the same genre that you were working for is The Cabin in the Woods. That, oh, I think, the comedy horror film by Yes. That yeah. I think works out. I mean, that's as close I, I think that that we've gotten to recapturing the Manos feel without being a part of the actual part of the actual series. Yeah. And a lot of people have even just mildly acknowledged it. There was someone who did like a computer game of Manos and then they stuck in Easter eggs. Like you could unlock a Tom Servo puppet from mystery science theater or a hobgoblin. Uh, it definitely is one of those, just looking at the bizarre wardrobes and everything is like, yeah, someone somewhere could definitely do something fun with this. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't mind watching it. I could watch it and just be unaffected by it compared to other ones, which just go on way too long or just have, uh, you know, this isn't one of those where it's a non-developed movie, but not the kind that just like uh, someone didn't have an idea in mind. It's more just like, because of how it's made, that just was a turnoff for so many people and they just couldn't get through it or they just ended up guffawing. I know Jackie definitely said that uh, at the many screenings she's been to, there's always someone just guffawing <laughs> just loudly <laughs> and abruptly in the audience. And uh, she's never been at any event where someone just took it too seriously or said, oh, no, guys, I like this movie. It's like, no, everyone pretty much knows what they signed up for. It's a weird <laughs> drive-in. It's one of those things that's like the second or third feature of a of a drive-in movie. Oh, totally, totally. And, and that's part of the charm of it. It, it. it does harken back to a simpler time, weirder, I grant you, but still a simpler time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, surely by now everyone knows what they're in for, you know. <laughs> You would hope so, but it, even if the even with the neophytes, the the people who have not experienced Manos in its full glory, um, I would like I would like to think that they they could find something out of it, or, or at the very least that they would they would take uh, some amount of joy out of the simplicity of it all, mm -hmm. or just even find something that's not there and makes people want to research it more. Like, wait, what? <laughs> 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 these people are all hand models right they're all mannequins walking about and about to melt <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute give me an idea manos plus mannequin <laughs> equals <laughs> mano skin oh okay <laughs> I, I think we can get Kim Control back on this back on it <laughs> oh there you go not like she's doing anything in higher quality so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> more or less, it does seem kind of funny how 
it's like <laughs> with these sequels essentially uh they were both just kind of just people who just wanted to just kind of launch their careers or as well as just had a sense of humor about making goofy movies um yeah rise of torgo definitely had a bigger look but the guy playing the master had just the weirdest makeup you can even see it on imdb and it's like mono's return is just kind of it was just merciful mercifully just shorter and just yeah i think that's just it it's like uh, the the rise of torgo just kind of just kept going on and on but it had good foley and music i will give it that yeah and i have to say that even though it, it was longer i found it to be more enjoyable i when i sat down to watch it i laughed the entire way through i there was not a point where i said this is getting boring is there something else i can do um you pretty much know what you signed up for with weird visions and everything so you know they're going to expand it however they want (laughs) and torgo's backstory i it was it was interesting i I can't put my finger on why but it was it it was engaging it was interesting it drew me in and i stuck with it for the for the full movie i think it's just because there is something bizarre and it's not at the morbid uh, mm-hmm. unusual kind it's just kind of more just like well okay so someone is just gonna you know do something with this and be outrageous but i think it's also just kind of interesting how uh just for better or worse it's kind of <sighs> i'm gonna say it this way i'm i, I think you could definitely say that it wasn't a necessarily broken formula. It just uh, just became more and more confusing the more everyone got with it. But it also wasn't the self-indulgent kind either. I never yeah. felt like this guy didn't really know what they were making. They just didn't have enough experience. So as a result, it's just kind of... Yeah, and... Was a, a good script editor could have could have whipped that into shape and made something something out of it but also it makes you wonder whether it would have the same charm if they did do that right and more or less i mean i'm pretty sure anyone who signed up for it wanted to just do just some kind of old hammer horror kind of you know universal horror monster movie minus a monster and just do whatever with it and I have no reservations about seeing it. I'm just, each time I've just kind of been like, okay, well, <laughs> they had a lot of fun. And, and really, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think this is a movie that should be shown to, to film students. Oh, that, uh, absolutely, because a lot of film students... I was finding is like some of them were mystery science theater or Joe Bob or Spinguli types, but most of them just couldn't suffer for too many movies unless they had seen one of those review sites or something. And I think yeah, we've just gotten too many snobs who just like, unless their favorite reviewer talks about it, they're not going to make time for it. And that's just like, you can still think for yourself, you know? And yeah, uh, those but were the- definitely the same types who kept, 
interrupting me in film class and just being very snobby like oh it looks too much like michael bay it doesn't look enough like christopher nolan it's like i don't want it to look like either <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, you miss the point of of, of of a movie by by looking so deeply into it that you have to be influenced by jean-luc godard or whomever or hitchcock and not paying enough attention to the to the little stuff the little stuff, stuff that you can learn before you get behind the camera mm -hmm. manos it may be an example of how to do things badly but it's still an example and even a trained eye can can see some of the things well i could have done this better or maybe if you had done this and take it to the other extreme when you have a uh, kevin smith when, when he was working on clerks that yeah. was that's another one that i would love to see uh, being taught in film school if not if they don't do it already because manos and clerks work on the same basic principle it's just a guy with a vision doing as much as he can with as little resources as possible and getting something out of the people that you see on the, on the film yeah i i had a really snobby bunch of teachers even people who got opinionated over what they should or should not show like it got even to the point where they were basically all they were in agreement was don't show tarantino he's just a b-movie guy who improvises stuff and has a loose story and star wars don't do show star wars that's just effects regardless of which one you like or hate and that just got to where it's like okay i think you're being a little over subjective why don't you because they were showing us plenty of pretentious stuff i had never liked but they also still i will to their credit they did show a lot of french new wave stuff but then it when i looked at their like a thousand best movies of all time list that's where it got really subjective and it's like okay yeah i'm pretty sure some people do or don't like big lebowski or i don't know is it got very just like are you basing this on having seen it a hundred times or because it's on the imdb top 250 what is yeah what, how you come into this conclusion um i'll bet you any number of those people who said don't watch star wars i bet you at least a couple of them are kurosawa film fans love the seven samurai oh most of them definitely were we and and then there were just so many people who's just like with some of them were just going to get bored regardless just because they're very reserved and picky but there were other people is like they would be like i don't know what it's about and it's like it would help if we actually had a dialogue about what this movie is about and justified our reasoning for liking or hate it and instead it just became just you gotta suffer through the whole three hours and it's like i got shit to do <laughs> exactly <laughs> this may be a bad rule of thumb but i'm i'm a simple man if you can tell me the plot of a movie within a sentence or two I can make my judgment based upon that because even if it's a bad movie or a bad explanation, is there something there that I could, that I said, okay, I, I'm not sure about it, but I want to take a, I want to look at it. I want to see it. And from there, I will base my opinions. But if, if you have to go into such detail that, that you're losing the purpose of the film itself, Mm -hmm. that's when you start running into problems that's when you start snuffing you know, sniffing your own your own farts and thinking it smells like a bouquet exactly and i mean when it gets to just we all uh you know love this movie but don't know what makes it good i think we're at an even worse place because nowadays this would be the kind of shit that would be made by 
A24 <laughs> or Blumhouse. <laughs> and people would just be saying, I don't know, it's weird, but I kind of like it. And others would be just like, fuck, fuck, fuck this movie. So, um, <laughs> you know. And I guess you could say as close as you got to it now are a bunch of movies that, you know, by Rob Zombie, where it's just like a bunch of, you know, again, backwoods terror movies. And for, well, there's going to be millions who just say that was the worst, most incoherent movie I've ever seen. There's going to be some who are just like, I don't know, it was weird. I don't know why I like it. It's bizarre. And so I think these this movie is above that because it was also just, again, Clearly, somebody had a good time making it. I've never heard, out of all the t uh, readings from Jackie's book, I've never heard anyone say that, again, just people weren't getting along or being disturbed. Um, you know, it was basically, it was just filmed fast and dumped, and it could have probably used a little extra working instead of losing the sound. <laughs> um... Do you feel like everyone kind of harps on it more just because of the dubbing alone, or is there more to it than that? I think once you get past the dubbing issue, there are some underlying things that that can kind of that do kind of detract from it if you're looking at it as a serious film. One of the things is it seems to be a lack of a plot. Really, we we get that there's the master, we get that there's Torgo. And then, at least in a lot of the cuts that I that I've seen, it goes right into the, okay, now we got these these women in billowing gowns fighting each other, rolling around in the dirt for no reason. Mm -hmm. Not that that not not that's a bad thing, mind you. But the point is, right, the continuity was is always going to be a bugaboo with a movie like this because you because you, I'm not even sure that. Like I don't know if they, have a, they had a script or it was just okay. You're going to improv everything from now until uh, till sundown, and you'll do it again tomorrow. I have to ask her, but I think it was a mix of both. Uh, shall we say uh, improvisation and like something to go on? But I think it also worked. Uh, it what was done a disservice to it was there was plenty of people who were first timers. They're just local theater community people, so they definitely mm -hmm. didn't have the discipline of knowing where to be staged in the action. There are plenty of times where Torgo, you know, is both kind of menacing in his look, but he also, the act, you can tell that the actor is either, it's a mixture of his actual stumbling around and the camera's still rolling, or he doesn't know where to actually be in the scene. So, <laughs> yeah, it is like, and... I don't know. I worst movie of all time, hardly. It's just a wacky cult film that's just very uh, confused and silly. Exactly, and it was made on a shoestring budget. Um, that that in and of itself is a is a something to be proud of. It's something that you can hang your hat on. Yeah, we made. It may have been not the best movie in the world, but it's being seen millions of times. Mm -hmm. Over many years, over many decades, after it's been made, many and years. it's still being talked about. Mm -hmm. Do that with a Michael Bay film. I dare you. Right. No, not going to happen. Unless you want to talk about the explosions or, well, it was fun in a mindless way. So it's like, yeah, 
it's more or less i think it's also kind of i want to say <laughs> to compare let's compare it to the room see the room became instantly liked for the wrong reasons like stand-up comedians were going to it and talking about it so the word was out even people were trying to salvage it and say the comedy of the year you should see is it. like it's not a comedy not even remotely but it is pretty funny but it is and intentionally so isn't it sometimes that's the best humor mm-hmm. uh more or less uh would you say that <laughs> if uh w director warren had been allowed to do another movie I don't think he made his money back from this one, long story short, and he just called his losses. But, um, and can you blame him? But, um, <laughs> not really. No. Uh, if he had tried doing another movie, do you think he would have learned, or would he have just kept doing, would he have been like kind of the grading Clarks of the world, where he's a nice person, but he's just doing more and more just tasteless, you know, trash exploitation shit? But, to be honest, I think. He's one of those I think would have learned from his from the from Manos and built on it and maybe done a few things differently. Done a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Or at the very least done something maybe in a different genre, maybe in the same genre, maybe maybe mixing the two, maybe maybe turning Torgo into putting him in a rom com. Who knows? But the point go. is when when Torgo met Sally. <laughs> Torgo met Sally. I'd see it. <laughs> I'd see it in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, but Torgo should have just appeared in multiple different things. Uh, what do you think about how Mystery Science Theater, they had a recurring gag and that they would often have one of the many actors in different wardrobe and character display, like playing a character from one of the movies that they had seen and sometimes those characters would be recurring like they had people in gamma costumes and they decide let's have mike nelson be torgo but then let's have him be like gandalf where he evolves from the gray to the white or <laughs> yeah. let's have him deliver pizza let's have him just yeah. visit and just say ah how are you guys doing yeah. Yeah. What, i will i will say this whenever torgo appears whenever i hear the torgo theme it's I absolutely just bubble up with joy. My wife hates it, but I love it. It just makes me go, yes, we're getting, we're going to see Torgo. And quite possibly the most underrated joke in MST history. One episode where Torgo is delivering the pizza and they forgot a diet squirt. <laughs> And then episodes later, Torgo makes an appearance with the Diet Squad. Right. Yeah, just a little extra add-ons here and there. <laughs> exactly. Do you happen to have Mike Owitz's number? <laughs> <laughs> There's your change. <laughs> yeah. I either win the crazy bread for you. <laughs> <laughs> The master abides. Uh, <laughs> oh, the big Lobowski with Manos. There you go. There, another million dollar idea, kids. Run with it. Run with it. 
I would totally go as the master for <laughs> Halloween, but I'm not going to do that right you now. You could but... pull it off. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, there was someone who did like a fun cosplay that was of Thanos. You know, yes. The villain from uh, those Marvel <laughs> Avenger movies, and he dressed up as the master. So it was like a double <laughs> meta joke, and everyone was just raving about it, sharing it. I was like, oh, do tell. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If you, get, you if you get a chance to see pictures of it, do. Oh, I it have is, it on my phone. I it is I it's it. well worth it's well worth it. Yeah, anyone everyone should just see it and just share it in the Rift Picks groups. Exactly. <laughs> I'll go even a step further. I can't remember exactly where it was, but there's an annual tradition of the running of the Torgos. Oh, perfect. That in and of itself should tell you how much of a lasting impact Manos has had on on people like us, people who are off the beaten path, who maybe like the weird stuff and don't uh, necessarily there, have to. Uh, have you ever encountered anyone who uh, had seen it in the theater? Not yet. I'm... <laughs> Seems like there are many are who definitely did, but they don't remember because they were high as fuck, or they just, <laughs> they chose not to remember it because they walked out confused and annoyed, but I don't know. Well, well, that might be something we could, we should try to do. We try to get Manos, I mean, they do showings of Rocky Horror, they do showings of The Room. Let's try to get something going where we have, like, an art house or whatever. Or <laughs> the theater. Mil- and just Manos show trilogy. Manos. <laughs> Just for one night. <laughs> right? Yeah, make, make it a midnight showing. So you get so you get the high quality freaks. And then <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, ones who've been like, Oh yeah, I made out to this. I'm like the couple <laughs> in the car. Um, yeah. yeah, I I too drank copper tone. <laughs> <laughs> I have a daughter named Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hey, funny if there was a guy named Dorgo. There you go. It'd be funny if there was even a Debbie Downer who saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but um, yeah, it, it just to to use a highfalutin term, uh, Manuelus has captured the zeitgeist of a of a section of culture that has come into its own within the last decade or two the the people who who are a little bit who, who are a little book smart people who maybe play Dungeons and dragons on weekends or who collect comic <laughs> books or it or just like really weird movies right like they have made it their lives work to just find wacky stuff every uh weekend on their day off <laughs> yeah I mean, and, that, and that's the kind of stuff that really should be driving entertainment in general. You have people who truly enjoy what they what they enjoy and are not afraid to show it. I'll grant you that for a lot of years, people like us were sort of on the outside looking in. Then all of a sudden, the, the script flipped, and now it's <laughs> us who are making the big decisions. Like, yeah, let's go ahead and make another superhero movie. Or let's do let's do another big fantasy movie, or, instead of like let's let's do another variation of Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. 
Except we we throw in zombies. Right. Zombies. Yeah, it would be interesting to see Monos transformed as a zombie or alien invasion movie. <laughs> what if you had Trumpy from uh, Pod People? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, now you now you're getting now you're getting there. Use the same kind of soundtrack. Yeah. I think we get Gary Sandy to to play the play that one guy. Uh, there you go. It stinks. <laughs> Uh, he's the best he's the best oh man man. well uh, thank you for joining me (laughs) this was a very wacky thing that we recorded about a month before Halloween hey I I thoroughly enjoy it and I always like coming on here and if you're looking for another really bad movie to try to find it's a there's actually one called Fatal Deviation that I ran across again today. Fatal Put it this way, it's an Irish kung fu movie. Fatal Deviation. I'm looking it up now. Is it as goofy as the Howling sequels? Oh, I think it goes even beyond that. If you thought, if you thought, Manos ran on this uh, shoestring budget. Oh my God, I have heard of this one. I forget who showed me it, but it's like. Yeah, it was just like it was just a bunch of independent people, and <laughs> it basically was a samurai cop type equivalent. Where it's just like I don't know what they made, but this is just outrageous. Everyone's trying to be <laughs> yeah. like Van Dam. That's right, my friends of the show, uh, uh, come up its reviews talked about. It. They're just like I don't know what happened here, but this is a wacky movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. But um, yeah. But if you if you're in the mood to to watch a Manos rift or unrift, don't be afraid to go out and try to find something like an Irish kung fu movie. Oh, totally. Because if that can be made, anything can be made. Right. Someone exactly. decided to make it. <laughs> because at some point, somebody said, "You know what? We where a tornado would need sharks." Mm-hmm. Somebody decided to go there. <laughs> yep. What what do we need on that plane? Snakes. <laughs> oh man. You can yeah. only do so many different combinations of various movies. Well, just don't be afraid to be weird. And I think that's the lesson we can all learn from, from Manos. <laughs> Well, and definitely. I mean, I, I definitely prefer authentic movies where it's like no one knew what they were making, but that was kind of part of the fun and charm. But then when it becomes like, yeah, yeah, you know, give us a negative review on IMDb and you see them kind of instigating or arguing with the fans, that's when it gets just <laughs> like painful. It's just like, come on, guys. Yeah. It, that's where you draw the, you have to, have to be able to draw the line if, you, if you're are self-aware but then you take it to an extreme and you're mugging for the camera that's when it starts to lose its charm Manos mm-hmm. was made simply it was made horribly but it produced it produced something that is magical in its own in its own way mm-hmm. definitely so yeah <laughs> 
So thanks for joining us on here. Catch you on the flip side, my friends. On the flip side. And do what the master tells you. And remember, kids, it's okay to be weird. <laughs> yes. More weird, please. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, ah, 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 all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, 
Say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this one. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steve and Izzy at eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. 
Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier, Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter 
at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a